You're live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with my co-host, Gray Williams. We've got a great program for you today. Our show is all about uh, the world of apps, whether that's on your TV, your computer, mobile device, or even your car now, and just mobile technology in general. And we do have a great program. We're going to be talking uh, about streaming. Is the streaming boom over? Has it gone bust? Well, there's an interesting uh, wired magazine article that says uh, May 23rd, 2023 is the day that streaming died. We'll tell you why they think that. We'll also be chatting about where the Mac came from. I think everyone knows what a Mac computer is. It's uh, been around since 1984. It kind of really revolutionized the personal computer market, making it easier for people to engage with computers. But It wasn't the first Mac. There was one before that called the Lisa. We'll tell you what it was, where it came from, and and why it just didn't really make it. And also about some of the Apple rumors. Big uh, announcement coming out this week from Apple about an entirely new technology that they're getting into. And we're going to give you our top five home Wi-Fi hacks. If you uh, want a few little extra tips and tricks on uh, getting some better Wi-Fi signal in your home, you got to stay tuned. Let's get into some of the uh, the tech news, Gray. Some interesting uh, stories uh, out there. Um, this is an interesting one. There was a, an eating disorder helpline that fired its staff because they were unionizing. Again, this is an eating disorder helpline. They fired their staff and they replaced them with a chat bot. What could go wrong, you probably ask, Gray. Well, this is dystopian. <laughs> this chatbot, I guess, um, it's a chatbot. It's AI. It it basically yeah. started giving people with eating disorders advice on on losing weight. Absolutely. Just you know, what? it's interesting because this particular um, area of concern we've seen so much in the way of manipulative media and in Instagram, on YouTube, it's terrifying. And so to see, like, there's so many problematic things in this story. You know, people want good working conditions, so they try to unionize. Business owner fires them. Okay, not cool to begin with. And then we're going to replace them with an AI. <sighs> this is even less cool. And this AI then goes and does exactly the opposite thing. <sighs> I just, I like, palm to forehead so hard. I... I I'm lost for words, and that's hard to do. It, yeah, I mean, I, I see the promise of AI, you know, especially when it comes to customer service. Chatbots are, are are very help, helpful, and with you know how fast AI is advancing, it, it's pretty good. They're very conversational, but there are limitations, and I think businesses really need to think carefully before they they move there. Yeah, agreed. Let's uh, move on to uh, some Amazon news. Uh, I've got a bunch of uh, Alexa devices in my home. I never did this, but you can actually, or you could actually pay for celebrity voices for Alexa. I think they're fairly cheap. They're about like a buck US before they moved up to about $5. Uh, And so some of the voices included uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Jack, Samuel L. Jackson. That would have been cool. And uh, comedian Melissa McCarthy. But it looks like Amazon's going to stop supporting them. 
on Alexa devices. Kind of sad. Yeah. For those people that <laughs> were into that. So if uh, you you did have one of those voices, you paid for them, apparently you can get your money back. You know, I did pay for the Sean Connery voice for my Tom Tom back in the day. How much was that? Straight to the right. It was 19 bucks. It's uh, a... <laughs> So this is this before all the all the sort of stuff where Sean had come out and said some things. And you're like, oh, okay. So I'm going to not going to actually just stay in the draw for now. But um, what was the last time you used a standalone GPS? Uh, Probably like 15 years. Well, I I tried using it in my truck the other day because my phone had died. Because my truck, huh? my Dodge truck, has its own navigation. It yeah. wasn't a, it wasn't a pleasant experience. Honestly, it was like using a Commodore 64. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know who designed their... Inter- I do know. Actually, sorry, I should take that back. Yeah, the Commodore 64 developers, they found some to, <laughs> to, to develop it. Sorry, but it's yep. just like you can make better user interfaces <laughs> than that. It was like, honestly, from 20 years ago. Okay, so another interesting story that we're following. A lot of us have music subscription services like Spotify or Apple Music. Those are kind of the two big ones, right? Well, there's some uh, some artists, and uh, this is uh, something happening over in the UK right now. The government's looking into this. Uh, a lot of artists are upset that they're not getting enough royalties from these streaming services. And That's fair. I mean, in a lot of cases, the license holders that the musicians are signed with are signing deals that are not necessarily advantageous to the artist. They're advantageous to the streaming service and advantageous to themselves as the license holders. But artists are kind of getting... They're getting the, the short end of the stick here. Yeah, it's it's hard, right? So, uh, I mean, there's some new agreements happening. It's all about uh, the metadata. You know, when these songs are streamed, like giving that information, making that very transparent, obviously, to the rights holders. But it's, it's tough for the artists, right? Because they don't always own all the rights to their songs, do they? They don't. In some cases, we've actually seen artists go and have to, have to, to buy their library back after they've uh, they've been sold off. And it's... It's been a real challenge for some. Frustrating. It's crazy how much some of these libraries are worth. I just read somewhere that, uh, you know, Queen, the band, mm-hmm. um, their library is, I think, looking to be sold for like a billion dollars. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of money. Yeah. How many, how many streams is it going to take to pay for that? Quite a lot, I'd imagine. Yeah, but over time, right? Like, over 20 years between the streaming revenue, but also just licensing the music. And you yep. know, they're going to license the hell out of it. It'll, <laughs> it'll be in every dog food and <laughs> and drug ad on TV. <laughs> they got to make their money, right? Exactly. Uh, this is also another interesting one. Uh, NVIDIA. I, not everyone has heard of this company. They're a, a chip maker, kind of like an Intel, but they... They focus more on kind of the graphic chip side, right? Like they're yeah. kind of the big uh, video card manufacturer, but their chips are used everywhere in cars, autonomous vehicles. Well, they've really been going all in on artificial intelligence as well. And so NVIDIA, they're dominating the market for chips that are used in artificial intelligence. And because of that, their their valuation... They're up there now with Apple, Amazon, Google, and Microsoft. Uh, their valuation is like over a trillion dollars. Yeah. I, I had a friend actually ask me about for 
you know, some some thoughts on NVIDIA as he was looking to invest in them. And I, I kind of outlined some of this stuff to him. You know, I've got an NVIDIA video card in my gaming computer. I've got an NVIDIA Jetson that I use for um, image libraries and neural neural networks. They're doing a phenomenal job in taking, you know, their hardware and getting into the hands of ordinary people to teach them how to innovate in things like neural nets and AI. Yeah. Nobody else is doing that right now. And that's a, that's a really big thing. I can see why they're worth it, and I think they're worth it. That's not investing advice, just so we're clear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, you are tuned into the App Show. Mike and Gray here. We've got a lot more to talk about. Do you want some uh, Wi-Fi tips? We've got some Wi-Fi hacks that you'll want to stay tuned for. Some, some, some of our top five ones. We'll also be talking about streaming. Has the streaming boom gone bust? And where did the Mac come from? It came out in 1984, but there were computers before it that made it happen. And we'll talk about uh, the Apple rumors about their new mixed reality headset. This is the App Show with Mike and Gray. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. Don't forget to uh, hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com, giving away a TCL Google Android smartphone. It is an amazing screen beautiful camera on there if you want a chance to win all you have to do is go to our website getconnectedmedia.com and watch a a cool video we've done it's called uh, independence days and uh, it's teaching caregivers all about using technology to look after aging loved ones so if you've uh, got some uh, older folks uh, that you are helping look after it's all about teaching you some simple tech that can just make everyone's lives a bit easier. And all you have to do is uh, watch it and just comment on it. We're going to pick one of the commenters uh, and uh, give away that smartphone next week. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about streaming now. That's uh, how a lot of us get our content when it comes to shows and, and movies. Do you remember back in the old days, Gray? It was like the three main broadcasters down in the US. NBC, ABC, CBS. That that was it? Yeah. I mean, there was yeah. a few other independent uh, you know, stations and broadcasters that popped up over the years. Uh, you know, the Paramount Network, which I think turned to CW and a few others, uh, and Fox, of course. And then streaming came along and just kind of kind of blew that model up. And for a number of years now, it's been good. There has been so much choice, so much content. You know, Netflix kind of really started uh you know the, the kickoff with it they're still kind of the, the big guy out there but uh, an interesting article in wired magazine gray and i know you had a chance to look at this as well uh and it's titled the day streaming died <laughs> and i i love the title of this story and it's the author is basically saying that may 23rd 2023 is the day that streaming died and they say that for a number of different reasons One, uh, because Netflix down in the U.S. and this has been up in Canada for a while now has uh, killed password sharing. So you can't share your Netflix password with people outside your home. And uh, one of the streaming services down there, we don't get it up here, but a lot of people I think have heard of it, HBO Max. Uh, They've now kind of rebranded it and it's just called Max. And I think what the author is alluding to is that we had all these streaming choices, Gray, but now it's all consolidated again. It's just kind of like the big three or four. You got Netflix. There's Disney out there that's been killing it, but uh, they're consolidating everything now. They own ESPN, you know, the big sports uh, you know, group. They also own Hulu 
or chunks of it. Now they've bought the rest of it out. They're kind of just amalgamating that all under the the Disney brand. And, uh, you know, HBO Max, which is now Max, uh, that's part of the Warner Brothers Discovery Group. And they've been consolidating a, a number of broadcasters and studios and, uh, and and what have you. And so where there was like a lot of different choices, now it's just kind of three or four again, just kind of like TV. And add into that, ads are back. That is the, yes. that. <laughs> so before... On these streaming services, yeah, you paid a monthly fee. And we've seen those go up and up and up and up. What, what did Netflix start at? Like seven bucks? Seven bucks. Yeah, I think I'm paying 20 or something now. 22. But, yep. but to your point, because there's been so much competition and COVID's over, right? We got, we got stuff to do. We're not sitting around watching TV all day uh, or, you know, our screens. Um, so all these guys are looking at ad-supported streaming services as well to kind of make up for the the loss of revenue the loss of subscribers so it's kind of become tv again gray yeah you know so here's the thing that i've been kind of mulling over um one in the summer months you know you want to put my prices up cool i'm going outside and touching grass so you guys are going high on hiatus and so i've been pausing services left and right uh the other thing is i'm kind of looking at it and going okay why do i have this given service how much have i watched it in the last 30, 60, 90 days. And in some cases, the cost of the show that I want to watch on the iTunes Music Store or the Google Play Store is less than a month of this service. And if I can just wait till it's over, which, you know, spoilers and things can be challenging to do, it's actually a whole lot cheaper to just buy the show than it is to rent the uh, the streaming service to do it. It feels like we've gone back in time. It was so funny when, when Netflix first kind of really got into the streaming it was glorious. They were the only game in town, and I think a lot of the studios saw it as uh, a great thing for them, right? Because it was another avenue to make more money off their properties, right? Like, yeah. what other streaming services were there? They they already had all their deals, their licensed deals with the broadcasters out there. And, you know, there was like home DVD, all that. Uh, and then all, all of a sudden, Netflix, hey, we'll pay you some extra money so we can stream it. And it was a great yeah. deal. Like Netflix had everything. But as the studios started figuring out, hey, <laughs> our money's in the content that we're creating, they started taking that all back, right? You know, you look at NBC Universal, which, you know, they've got the Peacock streaming service. Who knows where that's going to get consolidated into? You know, they took back Friends, for example, right? Yeah. And it's and, kind of curious. Like so, some older shows, though. You know, they don't succeed when they are first broadcast, but they live and they, they they're like they, they thrive on streaming. And it kind of goes to show like network ideas of when things should air. Firefly was a great show like this where the Fox just had no idea what to do with it. That was but, that uh, you know, kind of it was like a space Western with Nathan Fillon, who's on uh, who's like been on Castle and The Rookie. He's also in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah. Um, but so, so, yeah, it's uh, like, like looking at these things. They do survive and they do thrive and they, they gain an audience after the fact. And when you start sort of fragmenting all of these services, the discoverability of some of this stuff is extremely low. And the willingness of people to take a risk in another $7 a month service, you know, it's we're 20 bucks a month, 15 bucks a month, $20 a month here and there. And suddenly we're up to that $120, $250 that we were paying for cable before. Um, I don't have the tensility for it anymore. I don't know that many people do. I'd be curious to know if our audience does. I'm really happy not paying, you know, $1,200 to $2,000 a year in cable services. 
I don't want to go back to doing that. I just don't. I, I think they might be right. Streaming can't survive with this kind of fragmentation. No, I don't know and, what they're gonna do. and yeah, we're seeing it right because the big guys, Disney, they're laying off people, and they're reducing their spending on content because they they've spent too much. And so a lot of people are worried now that we're not going to get as much content, and we're not. That, that those days are over. And then they're worried about you know the quality of the content. Are we just going to get a bunch of Star Wars TV shows? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Are they just going to go with known kind of uh, properties or or brands? You know, is it killing kind of the the independent new ideas? You know, that's the thing is though, like with all the spaghetti they were throwing at the wall in the last couple of years, there weren't a whole lot of really great new ideas. There were a lot of algorithmically derived rehashes, but I wasn't seeing a whole lot of stuff where I was like, yeah, I got to see that. It's true. Anyway, is it the day streaming died? Uh, again, I'm referring to the the Wired article. You know, Google it if you get a chance to to read it. It's got some interesting thoughts in it. I don't think so. I mean, streaming is is here. It's not going away. Yes, there's going to be consolidation. Yes, it's going to be kind of the big three to four uh, streaming services, kind of just like cable TV <laughs> of of old. Okay, we are going to have to take a, a break now here on the app show. When we come back, we've got a few more segments to go. We are. Uh, going to be talking a little bit about Apple. Uh, this is a, a big time for Apple. There's such heavy rumor rumors going around the announcement of their new mixed reality headset that will do virtual reality and augmented reality. And, you know, I don't always love talking about rumors because, you know, half of them aren't true. But this has been confirmed from a number of different reliable sources. So, you know, we know it's coming, but who who will it be aimed for? So we're going to give our thoughts uh, on, you know, what we've heard so far. And uh, we're also going to talk about where Apple came from. There's an interesting documentary out uh, about the Apple Lisa. Some of the tech nerds out there probably know what that is. But if you don't, you'll have to stay tuned to learn where the Mac actually came from. The Mac wasn't the first user-friendly Apple computer the apple lisa was and we'll tell you why the name came about and what happened to that computer uh, as well and we're going to give you our top five home wi-fi hacks little things you can do to improve the wi-fi in your house you're listening to the app show here on the chorus radio network back after this you are back with the app show. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com, giving away a TCL 5G smartphone. This thing's beautiful, fantastic screen, amazing camera. If you uh, are in the need of a new phone, this is your chance to enter and win. All you have to do, and it's so simple, just go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Check out uh, a new series that we're working on. It's called Independence Days. It's uh, about using technology to help look after your aging parents or loved ones and the instructions will be there all you need to do is just uh, watch the latest uh, episode and uh, give us your thoughts on it comment on it on youtube and we will pick one of those commenters in our next program gray wi-fi i this is probably the biggest question i get from people needing tech help you know how do i get better wi-fi in my home it, it, it's so important right we use the internet for everything not just for work not just for email or or doing FaceTime and things like that, but it it, it powers our, our connected homes now, our smart lights, our Roombas, and our TVs. We're streaming everything. 
And so everyone's always asking me, what are some tips you can give me to get better Wi-Fi? Of course, I always say, you know, get the best router you can. You know, if you have a a home that's, uh, you know, got a couple thousand square feet, look at these mesh routers. Uh, yeah. But let's let's look at some of these other these tips, Gray. Uh, number one, this is interesting. You got to place your router in an open, centralized location. And I know this is tough sometimes, right? Because <laughs> like nine times out of ten, uh, you know, when the installers come to put in your 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 internet modem, it, they, it always seems to be in the corner of the house somewhere, right down in the basement. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. The worst yep. possible right, location. Right. right where it comes in from the wall. You know, from from the uh, from the street, that's exactly where they want to put it. They have the opportunity to put that in a centralized location because, in a lot of cases, you've got the wiring running through your house. Yeah. If you're building a new place, put conduit in. Make sure you're running Cat six everywhere throughout that house. Right. Um, Just so, you, so for the listeners out there, tell them what Cat six is. So so Cat six is an Ethernet cable. It's a standard Cat six e will give you that high speed connection anywhere in the house. Wireless is great, but also if you're looking at mesh routers, you can have wired to wireless giving you those pockets of wireless that are going to be more powerful where you need them. Um, one thing about putting it in an open location, if you have heated floors, water running through your floor will attenuate a radio signal. It means it, it scatters it everywhere. So looking at your Wi-Fi, if you get heated floors and you're getting bad Wi-Fi between floors, running a wired signal from one floor to the next, having that mesh router between those things will actually give you a really great signal. You won't have to worry about disconnects anymore. Number two for our Wi-Fi hacks Put the router in an elevated position. So, you know, generally from the router antenna, the Wi-Fi signals, they they travel laterally and downward. So if you can get the router up on a top shelf somewhere or mount it near the ceiling, and again, preferably in an open space, that is the best location for it. But mounting them upside down on a ceiling or mounting them sideways on a wall can also be quite helpful for directing that signal where you want it to go. Don't bury it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like in a corner down near the floor anywhere. And I know a lot of people do that, right? Because these things are ugly. Most of them are ugly. Some of the new mesh routers, they're doing better, right? They don't look like alien spiders. Or like vases. Vases? Vases, yeah. But again, the higher that you can put the router, the better. Okay, number three in our Wi-Fi hacks. These are, uh, again, tips and tricks to get better Wi-Fi reception in your home. Keep the router away from other electronics. So it's better to keep it away from a TV, computer, or any other electronic devices. Having to fight for signal space is a challenging thing. If you've ever run a Wi-Fi scanner app, these are fun to to download and take a look at all the Wi-Fi signals around you. If you've ever run, run one of those apps, you'll see just how much is in the spectrum that we're using for Wi-Fi. So making sure that you're in a space where physically there's actual space can actually give you a better transmission as well. It's it's important. Okay. Uh, if your router has antennas, and a lot of them do, so you know, the mesh ones don't typically. They're just kind of like a, a square or a round little puck or something like that. But if you've got uh, antennas, try pointing them in different directions. And just, obvious. Yeah, yeah, and just see what what that does. Because you'll yeah. find, you know, you can actually achieve some better pickup depending how those antennas are pointed. Yeah. So I, I know this sounds, you know, silly, but try it out. Uh, if, if you want to get a little 
techier if you know how to get into the the interface of your router. You can also look at changing the wireless channels on your router. That's how these routers work. They're they're using wireless channels, and congestion happens, right? Uh, most of them have automatic, but uh, you can always go in there and experiment and just see. And it's tough, you know. I, I know so many people that live in condos, and there's probably like a million routers <laughs> in in the apartments, right? But yeah. I, I would just try different channels. Again, just to yeah, see. Looking around, looking around at the, the Wi-Fi signals around us right now, I count roughly 35 networks. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, interference is happening. And, you know, you can use Wi-Fi Stumbler or Analyzer apps. You know, go on to your app store and, uh, and look for that. Again, they're called Wi-Fi Stumbler or Wi-Fi Analyzer apps, and they can kind of help you figure out what's happening with your signal. So definitely something to uh, to check out. Okay, we're going to have to take another break. When we come back, going to talk about Apple. Uh, and even if you're not an Apple fan, y- you need to stay tuned because something's happening this coming week here that will change how virtual reality is done. You know, we've we've seen virtual reality headsets and goggles. You know, Facebook is their um, their meta. Is it the MetaQuest? I think I have one of those. Uh, you know, HTC's got their Vive. They haven't really lit the world on fire, but Apple's getting into the game. And there's been a lot of rumors about this, but these rumors are coming from everywhere now, and it, it's most likely they are going to be releasing something. So we're going to talk about our thoughts on that and where Apple came from. Apple is famous for making technology simple. They made or changed the computer world with the Macintosh, but there was there was a Mac before the Mac. It was called the Lisa. We'll tell you all about it. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back shortly after this. You are back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectmedia.com, giving away a TCL smartphone. It's an Android phone. It's got a beautiful screen, fantastic camera, if you are uh, in need of a new phone, this is a great contest because it's so stupid simple to enter. All you got to do is watch uh, a cool video we've done. It's about using technology to help uh, caregivers look after aging parents. So some cool stuff with uh, wearables, automatic pill dispensers. And all you have to do is comment on the video on YouTube. Yeah, it's that easy. You don't even have to really get into it. You can say, I like the video, I hated it. Or maybe you've got some thoughts on some of the tech you've used to, to help Look after your aging folks. GetConnectMedia.com. Check it out. Uh, we are going to talk about some of the Apple rumors, Gray. Uh, Apple's having a big event this week down in Cupertino at uh, the big Apple flying saucer. And uh, it's, I think it's going to be interesting. It's been a while. It's been a moment since Apple's really released anything new when it comes to hardware, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, taking a look, we've got in the last decade, right? Everything from iPad to Apple Watch, um, AirPods, HomePods, um, you know, but they're all sort of like accessory style items. Um, You know, this could be the basis of a a new platform in and of itself. So even if you're not an Apple lover, you know, I I suggest you do stay tuned because we're going to talk about, uh, you know, some of the rumors and what... uh, 
this device is supposed to to do or look like you know even if again you don't buy apple stuff it is there's no question apple when they get into something they always kind of invigorate that market so i think it's going to push vr and augmented reality further faster it's going to stir up a lot of competition but let's talk about uh where the mac came from gray yeah i uh i remember looking at my first mac back in the 80s it was at a uh, a computer store in coquitlam british columbia it's where i grew up and my dad had a, a little jewelry store in Coquitlam plaza and i used to work there i did the engraving you know like on trophies and stuff like that and on my lunch hours i would always go across the street to paragon computers because they had like computer stuff and i was into tech and Back then, there wasn't a lot of tech. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like PCs and stuff. And I remember going there one day, and they had this little little box. And it had this little screen and a mouse. Because up until that point, there were no mice on, on regular yeah. computers. And it had this really simple interface. You moved this mouse, and it moved an arrow on the screen. It had beautiful fonts, you know, when you're doing word processing. It was like a, it was a miracle. It just kind of blew me away. And I think it was expensive, Gray. I think it was like three or $4,000, which was a lot yeah. of money back then. Yeah. You know, I, the very first time I saw a Macintosh, I think uh, there's a radio host out in Edmonton now named Peter Patipko. I went to school with this guy and he was the kid who had a Mac and went over to see that HyperCard was the thing that got me, this beautiful layout of being able to present information Kind of like we do on the web now, but that thing was was something else. Uh, we had we had a Commodore VIC twenty at home, uh, which was the keyboard that you plugged into a TV that used a, used a tape yeah. recorder. Yeah, to put programs in. Yeah. So, you know, this idea of the Macintosh was very far removed from my experience. But uh, but looking back at this, you know, Apple had a number of iterative machines that really kind of like they hit the market hard. You know, um, and so the the original Apple uh, Apple IIe, um, and now. You were looking at the, the computer that, that predated the Macintosh. So I think everyone's heard of Mac and, Macs, right? Unless you yeah. live under a rock. There's like there's Windows PCs and then there's Apple's Macintosh computers. And they've this had is why 1984 will be like 1984. That, yes. that big commercial. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So and the Macs have you know had different iterations over the years, but there was a computer that had that beautiful graphical interface that predated the Mac that no one knows about, which I find fascinating. And it was called the Apple Lisa. And huh. uh, it uh, was named, I believe, after his daughter. And it came out in 1983. And it had the mouse, all the, you know, the windows and icons and menus that, you know, you come to expect from the Macintosh. But... It didn't sell. And I'll tell you why. It was $10,000 at the time. Ooh. Eventually, they, they, they discounted it, they upgraded, and they rebranded it as the Macintosh XL. I don't know if you remember that. Mm. But it was eventually dropped. The whole thing was dropped in 1985. But they had thousands of unsold ones. And so there's an interesting article up on The Verge, theverge.com. They've uh, done a little documentary called uh, Lisa. Steve Jobs' sabotage and Apple's secret burial. 
They actually buried a bunch of these <laughs> these computers in, in Utah somewhere. What was it about burying old tech? Because they did this with a bunch of ET cartridges from Atari as well. Yeah, I, yeah. Strange. And it just becomes this, this legend. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? And all these people trying to find the place where they bury this this stuff. But <laughs> I, I, it's interesting. Like, and, and Steve Jobs gets, I think, for most people, all the credit for making computers simple and easy and coming up with the mouse and you know, the beautiful Macintosh interface. But he didn't really come up with it. You know that, right? Yes, yeah. The mouse was originally from Xerox, I believe? Yeah, he actually went to Xerox Park Labs down in California back in the day, I think in the 70s. And mm-hmm. they, they, they actually had their, their gem, their graphical uh, interface themselves that they had developed. And they had a mouse and everything. And that's what inspired him. It's just so funny, Xerox never was able to really take advantage of all that, that research and, and development they did on that. And it's really here, ironic. That's, that somebody copied their invention. And, and I know. And everyone, like, and he, I think even Steve Jobs was mad that Bill Gates copied the Mac with Windows back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's the, the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> well, you can see it in the iPhone announcement where at one point he says, and we patented the heck out of it, you know? Yeah. And it's... It's, so there's, there, there's a book that I read not too long ago by Ken Kosienda called Creative Selection. And it's about the creation of the keyboard and autocorrect for the iPhone. And looking at this, you know, looking at how the Lisa sort of predates um, the, the Macintosh, looking at how smartphones that predated the iPhone, they were great, they were powerful, they did lots of wonderful things, but they didn't really hit for people. And there's just something about that unification of a beautiful graphical interface something that's simple and seems very intuitive, which we've all cursed autocorrect at some point, but reading this book and realizing how they went about iterating, getting to how autocorrect worked was absolutely fascinating. If you get the chance, I'd recommend to anybody out there, Ken Costienda, Creative Selection, and tell you a lot about Apple's creation process. It's fascinating stuff. Let's uh, get into some of the, the rumors then. Apple's got uh, their big announcement coming up this week. Uh, it's the Worldwide Developers Conference, June 5th. And I think mm-hmm. at 10 a.m., they're going to start uh, their live stream uh, of, of this. And uh, at, at these events, they always announce the latest gear, whether those are iPhones or Macs, you know, if they've made updates to their operating systems. And this year, it's, it's heavily rumored that they're going to be unveiling a new mixed reality headset. So why is this important, Greg? Well, looking at how we interface with our phones right now, you know, um, if you think about it, you've got your phone in your pocket, you've got your Apple Watch or your Google Watch on your wrist, um, maybe. And so we kind of, we sort of try to use the smallest and least intrusive interface to get the most done, right? It's one of the reasons why I like to watch. You kind of look down, you get a phone call, you get a text message, you can see whether or not you need to interact with it right now. Mixed reality and augmented reality kind of removes that fourth wall between you and the content that you're consuming by placing it in the world around you where it can be perceived in amongst the real world. If you go to Apple's website right now and check out the uh, launch announcement uh, prior to the, the show, they've got this augmented reality Apple that's kind of floating in midair that you can kind of interact with. And so that's sort of the cool idea here is taking this information that right now we have to go through a layer of interaction in order to either observe it or consume it and putting it right in front of us 
where we don't have to work to find it. It's already there. So why why is it important, you know, in, in your mind that we care about this? Like it's it's just another tech product. I look at it this way. You know what? We we do more now than we ever have done as a species. There's so much information coming out at us all the time. And trying to like concentrate on things, remember things, focus on things. Like we've seen instances of things like ADHD jump off the charts. We're asking the human brain to do more and the tensility isn't really there. So technology like this basically gives you an augmented brain, like a, a secondary set of perception, a secondary set of memory that allows us to focus on the things that we need to, present us with information in real time as we need it. It's going to make things easier. It's going to make life a whole lot easier. right? You look at somebody and maybe it identifies who that is the last time you talked to them, the name of their kids, the, the thing that you've got booked with them two weeks from now. Being able to, ha to have this augmentation to what it is that we do is going to make living life so much easier. But the size is a problem still. And there's no question that I'm sure Apple's going to find a way to reduce the size. But no one's going to walk around with big goggles cruising around it's, town. It's, 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 so this is the thing. We've seen this even with the, like the Snapchat glasses. They're just sunglasses, but they still seem intrusive. Google Glass was horrific. You looked like a cyborg. I mean... The MetaQuest, you're not going anywhere with that. They, like, stay inside <laughs> and stay safe. Yeah. Um, so this has got to be like a pair of lightweight glasses, and you've got to be able to perceive the world through them. So depending on what we see this week, this could be the kickoff of this thing, or it could be, well, it's coming soon. The rumor, though, Gray, is that this thing's going to cost $3,000, whatever it is. That's a lot of yeah. money for the everyday, everyday person. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I go back... 22, 23 years. I was selling computers way back in the day. Future Shop or went out for us. Um, and those computers on average were, you know, between $2,500 to $5,000. They did nothing to what we do now. And so let's say even you pair this with a smartphone, you're still around that $5,000 range. But if it does unlock that kind of productivity, if it does unlock the next skill set that we need to move forwards, for some people, it could be worth it. Is this a, is this a home technology by your kids? Probably not. Not yet. Who knows? Okay. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our contest one more time, getconnectedmedia.com, giving away a TCL Google Android smartphone. It is beautiful, fantastic screen. It's 5G, great camera, and it's so simple. Uh, we're doing a new series called Independence Days. It's uh, for the uh, TELUS uh, caregivers. It's about using tech to look after aging parents and family. Things like wearables, like Apple Watches, or smart pill dispensers. It's to inspire caregivers and families to to use this technology to make lives better, more convenient, and just give more independence to our our aging folks. And all you have to do is watch the video, getconnectedmedia.com. It's on our website. And just comment on it, what you think of the tech that we, we talk about. And if you've used any technology to help your, your family to look after them. Gray, thanks for joining us today. I want to thank everyone else for popping in. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com, to also uh, subscribe to our podcasts. See you again next time.